Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We are hunters, anglers, riders, and sometimes chefs. Our passion for the outdoor lifestyle motivated the foundation of Harvesting Nature, which serves as a media outlet built to inspire and educate the outdoor expert, and novice alike. Our podcast focuses on the technical side of cooking wild fish and game while also incorporating adventures and lessons learned from our pursuit of wild meat. Join us on our journey of harvesting nature. Hey everyone, welcome to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fishing Game podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend, and uh, we got some uh, continuous crew and some new crew just lots of crew today be it a crew chat so we'll we'll go down that rabbit but hole but uh we wanted to talk a little bit um about organ meats so offals offals are not awful i'll say that it's probably been coined somewhere but i'll i'll repeat that again right (laughs) so um we're gonna hit on mainly i think we'll just hit the the top four um not top four i guess it depends on your taste and food but we'll we'll stick with the our top four and uh get into a little bit more detail about them but first off we'll give you some updates um i mentioned i think last podcast that i've been working on a a meat a recipe for meat eater and it's it's due to come out here very soon on the website so it's a it's essentially a Midwest dish. Uh, it's called in the Midwest they call them hot dishes, which is casserole to a lot of other people. So, um, but it's with uh, wild rice and duck. So we're we're in the beginnings of what is duck season. So we've got that, but it's a, a cool recipe and keep an eye for it whenever it comes out. It's like one of those uh, one pot recipes. So you do everything in the cast iron and then you top it and then you throw the cast iron in the oven to finish it. So 
that is that. Uh, outside of any updates, uh, I'm going to keep secrets about my hunting and fishing adventures coming up. So you'll just have to, to pay attention to what we're doing so you can see those. But Colin, do you have any updates for us? I do. Uh, finished off our goose hunt a couple weekends ago. And I made the first of three recipes I'm going to try with the uh, set of goose breasts that I have. I slow cooked this one. It was pretty good, just pretty basic apples, apple cider, carrots, onions, and uh, slow cooked it on high for about four and a half to five hours. Came out delicious. Everybody at work said they liked it. I don't know if they're just being nice or if they actually meant it, but uh, <laughs> I I enjoyed it, so I'm ready for the next one. I think did, I'm gonna did anybody did anybody run to the bathroom after eating it? Like, <sighs> no, maybe they're just good at holding it in, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, everybody said it was good. I mean, it's definitely a different taste than what most people are used to. You know, it's not definitely not chicken. Um, definitely can tell that it's a wild bird. But, nice. uh, yeah, people said they liked it. And I think next I'm going to try a schnitzel with the goose breast that I have. Ooh. And then deer season. Yeah, exactly. And I love German comfort food. Uh, I could eat that stuff every day. All day. You going to do, uh, you're going to do some cabbage with it. Yep. Red cabbage. And I have some spetzel too, uh, at the ready. Ooh, nice. Um, and then deer season starts this weekend and then ducks start up about two weekends from now. So it's what's, getting what's your, uh, what's your plan for deer season? Are you getting out? Yeah, I'm going to go out on Sunday, this coming Sunday, and uh, people that I work with, they've got a couple spots. One guy's a helicopter pilot, so he lands in all these random mountaintop areas that they have designated, and he's like, whenever I land there, there's nobody around, and we just see bucks walking by. So I was like, oh, perfect. You did all the scouting for us <laughs> via <laughs> helicopter. Um, some might call that cheating, but whatever. And uh, yeah, we're going to take advantage of that. It's utilizing your resources. Exactly, yeah. So that's how I look at it. So that's the plan. Deer plans in the making. What You said another goose season coming up? Uh, ducks are first. Ducks. They start on the, I want to say the 12th um, or 11th. And then geese start back up about a week after that. So we actually get a, a full week of ducks before geese starts back up. Okay, And then cool. it pretty much goes until the end of January. Nice. It'll be a nice, nice long time. Yeah. So awesome. Well, um, the other two individuals we have on the line, if you've been paying attention, what it's been, this is the second or last month was the second month that we did it. And this would be the third month coming up. Uh, we featured some of their videos. They both manage the website and uh, social media platform the way we hunt. Uh, so we've got Ryan and Emily on on the line with us so i'll let you probably do a better job of introducing yourself than i just did <laughs> no it was classic it was great good oh me first okay so i'm emily long and uh this is ryan over here you totally can't see him but we are the way we hunt go ryan say something nice pass it off <laughs> Got it. um no so yeah so um we're in oklahoma and we our, our biggest um, online presence, I guess, is our YouTube channel, The Way We Hunt. And basically, it's just us kind of doing our thing. Um, we started basically filming our hunts and our, our adventures and fishing trips and stuff a long time ago for no other reason, you know, than just so we would have those memories later on and uh, kind of got wrapped up in the industry and um, just some of our part-time gigs, you know, that we do uh, 
kind of landed us in a spot where people were like, Hey, how'd you do that? And, uh, so we just, that's kind of our jam right now. Um, gotten into the wild game processing and cooking part of it really heavily this last couple of years. Um, cause that's, it's just, I think a natural transition that just happens. Um, I was a, I am a late onset, uh, adult onset hunter. Um, <laughs> just based, based on just, was that a web MD thing? Yeah. I looked, just, it, I looked it looked up. up. Yeah. Okay. It's, a, it's actually a, it's a real thing. Um, just being in the military and the, the places I was for so long, I wasn't really in one place that, that I could really get into it and kind of learn the seasons and stuff. So it's, it's been a, it's been a fun ride the last four or five years. So we're, we're now trying to kind of teach people how, how we've done it. Um, Nothing crazy fancy, just just a couple of Okies out there having a good time. Yeah, so we're we're based out of Oklahoma. Uh, I grew up in Kansas for a little bit, but I've actually lived in Oklahoma longer. Actually, went to high school with Justin. Yeah. So that kind of dates. All us. seven of you. Well, All no, Durant was actually a fairly decent sized high school. Oh, okay. It was bigger than the other ones that I came. Everybody from. like migrated there yes. from other places. So yes. Um, and then Ryan's been an Okie his entire life until he was got in the military and then left yes. and said Tra- peace. Transplanted, re- replanted, transplanted, replanted. So we're back. That's <laughs> me. I left home and never looked back. I don't think. Yeah. So, but uh, really awesome to have you both on, and, and definitely kind of hope Thank to you. to get you on back on the podcast at different different points in time uh, as things go. I've really been enjoying the videos and uh thanks i know we have on our list to talk about a couple but i guess what from the hunting side or being in involved in the hunting side or getting started in the hunting side and then translating that over to more of the eating side i guess what motivated that what bro we like food (laughs) (laughs) fair no so like you know the conservation side and everything that that kind of goes into, I feel real strongly about you eat what you kill. And of course, there's going to be a few exceptions to the rule, but we try to utilize what we what we kill and why go to the grocery store when I can we can fill the freezer in another way. And we haven't probably bought beef or pork in many, many years yeah. because we're fortunate enough to live in the South where we can go kill wild pigs and eat pig. And then, you know, our freezer's full of all sorts of stuff. We have, you know, aw dad, gator, deer, you know, pig, dove, turkey, uh, bear. I don't know if I said that. Um, So we kind of got into it, not necessarily as a necessity, but kind of the strong feelings towards wanting to take what we kill and and utilize every portion of it. I think it's, it's exciting to hear because it's something I think that's starting, to, I wouldn't say a trend, but starting to be something uh, more commonly seen in our generation, uh, which is really awesome. And I think it's leading a lot of people into hunting and then also kind of keeping them in that space because like, hey, we've got this resource and while we do it, we've created this you know, sort of lifestyle that we really enjoy around getting the food. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's taken, you know, for me in particular, it was, you know, well, I'm, I'm into hunting now and, and I got into it and that's, well, now what do I do with it? Wait, you know, and if my, my sphere of influence at the time is like, Oh, you take it to that processor over there and drop it off. And a week later it calls you and then you go pick it up. Well, that's all fine. But one, uh, it's expensive. Or it gets expensive. Mm-hmm. And then two, just me 
kind of being the critical thinker, <laughs> I, I usually overthink things. I'm like, well, how do I know I'm getting mine back? There's, yep. a, there's a big line of people. We all dropped it off. You know, <laughs> how do I know? So that kind of started my my process thinking I'm like, well, what do I do? I don't know how to do this. Um, so just by taking classes, you know, getting on the university of YouTube back in the day, um, that's kind of how it started and being around some people that really knew what they were doing and, and leveraging their knowledge to try to, you know, basically steal everything they had and put our own spin on it has been super fun. And now it's to the point, you know, it's like, if we're out hunting, I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm, what the, what dish I want to make. So I'm like, all right, where do I need to place this shot? One for an ethical, for an ethical kill, but two, um, I'm thinking about the meal already and I'm thinking about field prep and things like that and the drag out. And I'm like, well, if I, you know, shot placement here is going to be important for reasons A, B and C, but this is, this may be a better option for me. So it's even think, you know, the, the cooking part and the harvesting is coming in before the hunt almost even happens. So Mm -hmm. that's been a fun transition. We've been doing a lot of, uh, of planning for trips that are going on, going on right now. So, um, (laughs) And that's a lot of, of what I'm thinking about because w- one of them is like the alligator trip. And it's just in my mind, I uh, I want to make sure we're cooking some of it while we're there. But it's also yep. too like you never want to bet on it. Like, yeah, we're going to get it the first day. So I'm like writing the, the grocery we, we, list. We know about that. <laughs> uh, writing the grocery list and like, all right, so I got to have a, a plan A meal and a plan B meal just in case I... I uh, don't end up with something. And then if not, we're just eating cliff bars. They get old real quick. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I had a, you know, I have a new coffee one today. Oh, really? I haven't had that one. Yeah. They have two, two one, and they put coffee beans, like, uh, like kind of chunks of coffee beans in it. But anyway, I'll, I don't want to digress down that, but yeah, <laughs> some extra. I was really excited when I found it and I was like, this is going to be perfect for my upcoming trip. So, um, Cool. Um, so you're both instructors as well, as well right? Uh, working for. Um, yeah. So we work, we're both instructors for outdoor solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of started in our the group of instructors, a core of us, there's three or four of us. We used to all teach at the U S shooting Academy. I, I'm B team. JV. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, three or four of us used to work together up there teaching their military and law enforcement classes and then kind of transitioned a bunch of the civilian stuff once those classes left. And we taught a guy one time and his kid, he, he came out all the time. We didn't know it at the time, but he was running um, a, basically a division of the NRA and selling hunts and as a kind of a, a hunting agent. and Like a travel, travel agent. Yeah, for he, was, he was basically a booking service. And he, he approached us how four years ago and said, Hey, um, I, I think about have an idea about a school. What do you guys think? And we could well kind of put our minds together and came up with a, with a program because the way that was happening was he was selling hunts to people to go out West and say, shoot elk or mule deer or whatever. And he would tell people, Hey, you need to be able to make an ethical shot at four or 500 yards, whatever it was. And people were listed flat out, you know, I didn't know bullets went that far. And, you know, the confidence was just was tanked and they're like, hey, we can't do this. So we put together a curriculum. We ran it through a couple of test schools. It got super popular um, and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. And since then, we transitioned also to uh, basically a, another program where they were incorporating a lot of the cooking. We're bringing in some chefs 
um, after the initial range session, then we take them out on hunts and there's a, a butchering session, then a cooking session. And it kind of makes it everything full circle. Um, so that's been an absolute blast doing one teaching, but two learning because that we bring in uh, like chef Albert Wutch and you know, we're talking to him and he's breaking this stuff down, you know, to a, to a level that everybody can understand almost like a Simon says type of environment. You know, I'll do that. I'm going to take this cut off. Now you guys take that cut off and breaking down individual cuts of meats and all that stuff. It's been, it's been eye opening. It's been really great. Nice. Is it up to your processing game? It has up the processing game. Yeah. Now you're sitting in the field and like, oh, that's the top round. That's the bottom round. You know, you're just, look what I did. And you look around and no one's, no one's there. You know, just, <laughs> oh, well, I guess the selfie has to suffice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, cool. So talking about some about recipes and all that, um, you guys have some recipes for us tonight? So one of the recipes that you guys featured on your website for us was a pheasant egg roll dish that Ryan made that I filmed. It was like absolutely fantastic. And what's great about it is it's super simple and you can literally use any wild game. And that's one of the things that we like to do in our recipes is find something that we can utilize different wild game. Like you can grab something from the freezer and then take the recipe and do the same thing with it. So, you know, this one was just two pheasants, breast diced up, and we had bell peppers, onions, garlic paste, put that on. We really liked our Rectech grills, and we used, uh, what is that? Uh, just a griddle. Yeah, so it was just a cast iron griddle that we put all those ingredients on and sauteed up and then just took egg roll or uh, wonton wrappers and filled them uh, with that meat mixture with the onions and the garlic paste and the, the bell peppers and the meat and added a, a chunk of cheese in there. And so one of the things that we really like, I, Gouda is like my absolute favorite cheese and Ryan really likes hot stuff, which is stupid, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so we had one with pepper jack and then we did a provolone one. And so we had different, different cheeses and different, uh, uh, egg rolls and then we threw it back on the grill at like 400 degrees for 20 minutes and it was like the best comfort food you know oh, it was fantastic uh, yeah hangover food <laughs> everything food yeah and it it was like you know six ingredients yeah. and it took no time that's perfect so, yeah, yeah it's one of those that filming took longer than cooking you know it was just it's super it's super fast and like she said you know Dove season right now, I could easily substitute dove or goose or duck. I mean, it's just so simple, and it's it's one of those recipes that all pretty much everything in there is going to complement it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to take on the flavors of each other, so it's just you can. It, and it's kind of funny you start doing that with with the different meats and the different or the different proteins, and then you just start. Well, I'm gonna do half gouda, half pepper jack in this one, and then just come. You just got to make sure you write it down because you got to remember what which one was the really good one. <laughs> Don't mix them up when they're on the grill. Yeah, exactly. We did like 12, I think four, four of each, uh, uh, cheese, you know, we tried provolone, the pepper jack. There was, I think one was cheddar or something, maybe two, but they ended up fantastic. They, they evaporated. They didn't last very long. I could imagine. Yeah. yeah. Probably took less time to, to eat it. Definitely. Oh, it, was definitely film the, it. <laughs> it was definitely less burn the skin on the roof of your mouth moments. I mean, it was, they were so good. You just wanted to down them. But. If you had to, to rank the, priority of birds you would use for the egg rolls because you just named off like what four or five of them how would sure. you rank them Ooh. 
That's a good question. No, yeah, real good question. I think really uh, one, whatever's whatever's on the top of the freezer. Um, okay. <laughs> um, no, but two, I um, I think you know some if you really like a gamey bird, um, you know if you, if you if you just go after that goose or that duck, or if you want more of a mild tasting, I mean you could use chicken. But the pheasant was just we were there on a pheasant hunt, and I would probably go. I think dove and it would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Kind, of that, kind of that bridges the gap between the gamey and the mild there a little bit. Um, the pheasant was phenomenal. Turkey would be great. Wild turkey would be fantastic. That would be a great addition. Um, duck th- is definitely on the bottom. Duck, duck is. <laughs> not, a, not a duck fan. I'm not a duck fan. Yeah. I'm definitely not. We, it's just we, like. Ryan, sorry, go I'll, ahead. No, I'll eat it, but. Ryan made something one time. He made, duck made du- he made duck burgers, and that was probably the most edible duck that I've ever ate yeah. in my life. And I don't know why. I'm just not a huge fan of duck. Well, clearly because I made it. But Oh, I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely it. It's because you made it. That's, that's the only reason why. <laughs> is it is it all ducks across the board, or is there like one you're like, nope. Like Some people don't like diver ducks that go down and eat this stuff off the bottom. You know, yeah, I guess that's, that's not very fair because there's a, a ranking inside of ducks themselves too. Like, yeah, there's yeah. definitely over a at the top <laughs> ducks themselves for sure. Yeah, yeah you know those mergansers aren't real great. <laughs> yeah, ducks are all salty. Just vetoed the ducks. Yeah, yeah, yeah we are definitely gonna gonna repeat it with. We've been we've we've not had a great dove season, um, but we're we're accumulating the singles that we get. Um, so that's we're definitely going to be a repeat with Dove. I think that'd be. I think it's going to be great. I think maybe it'll be the new uh, jalapeno popper of Doves, which I'm not a yeah. fan. I'm not a fan of poppers. I'll just make that clear. Very, very <laughs> transparent kind of about. It's. I mean, every, people like them to each their own. Just not. Yeah. I, I would rather do something more. More. That's all yep. I'll say. Absolutely. So, but they sound like they may have a nice warm home and some egg roll. Yes. Rappers, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're just they, they they it's just great because that egg roll wrapper you know it gets all crunchy and then you mm-hmm. got the it's a, basically it's a Philly cheesesteak egg roll is kind of what I named it that's exactly what it reminds me of once you mix all everything together. Ooh, sounds good. But, yeah, it was it was it was pretty right. I, I did uh I did a venison chili egg roll uh, a couple years ago and that one's on the the website too. But I think that was I just had less leftover chili and I was tired of eating it plain. And I was the yep. only one at the house eating it. So, so I, friend, I, do, I do that with burritos all the time. I'm like tired of deer chili. I'm just like burrito. Yeah. Done. What I if you picture it on hand? You just throw stuff in it, and you're like, oh, yeah. yeah, burrito. <laughs> yep, absolutely. It's like a like a mini chimichanga, right? Just like a fried <laughs> fried burrito, just yep. an egg roll size. Isn't, isn't that chimichanga <laughs> already mini though? Like, how could you get more miniature than a chimichanga? No, no, no. A chimichanga is just like a fried burrito, right? It could be like full size. I maybe think of something different. I don't know. I always thought a chimichanga was like a small, like a little tiny, like rolled taco type thing. No, that's like that's a taco shop. You're being robbed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you need to get on that. One next time. (laughs) I I used to go to this place around the corner from my house in San Diego. I mean, I I swear to you, I think it was a, a. Anyway, concept fried burrito. You put like red sauce or green sauce over the top, like a whole burrito fried. Yeah, or the cheese sauce. Yeah, yeah. So that's an idea for the future, maybe. Um, So, 
Any any other recipes? Yeah, so Ryan came up with one the other day, and it's a venison bacon fried rice, or like literally anything left over. So we have a video that's going to be coming out pretty soon, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a euro. The G-Y-R-O is pronounced euro, right? It's as debatable as the chimichanga. Now we're really going to go down a rabbit hole. So is it euro? Is it gyro? Is it gyro? Euro. Euro. Okay, so the point is we had some <laughs> leftover gyro euro meats. <laughs> and we had just got uh, a mat- the Rectech Matador, which is just like a really big pot. It's like a discata. It's a giant discata. Sure, yeah. whatever. We didn't even know what chimichangas were. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a big bowl that you can cook stuff. It's a giant wok. Yeah, it's wok. A giant That's a good one. Yeah. And uh, so we... It's like we had all this leftover meat and he was like, hey, let's do a fried rice. And I was like, cool, let's throw this in there. So it was just kind of like a leftover meal that was superb. And it turned out pretty good. I really actually don't like most of the stuff that he comes up with off the top of his head. (laughs) It's usually like, this is okay. There's there's levels of okay. I love you. Don't hate me for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he came up with this and it was just... It had bacon in it, so there's winning right there. And eggs. And then it was it's super simple because he just put Uncle Ben's original rice in there instead of, like, going all, you know, big and bold with, like, normal rice and soaking and stuff. And then a package of frozen carrots and peas, some green onions, and soy sauce to taste. And yeah. he just put it... Uh, just cooked everything. The, yep. Basically, just, just crushed up the bacon, pushed the bacon to the sides so once it was done. Took most of the... Uh, bacon grease out, cook my eggs and, and what just what little was left in there, heated up the rice in the in the microwave, broke it all up, threw it in there with the peas and the, the carrots and all that stuff. And then basically just combine everything with the venison that we had had. Um and just basically based that in the in the back with the, the bacon grease that I had pulled out and just covered it and let it sit for I don't know, five minutes uh on high. I'm I'm real big I think and this is kind of digressing a little bit a lot of my recipes, you'll, there's a theme. It's something you can make that it's not going to, one, break the bank. Two, it's easy to understand how to do and it's repeatable. I think that needs to be a, a massive takeaway when people start thinking about doing their game. Because mm-hmm. I think maybe that's what drives a lot of people away. It's like, well, yeah, I know how to cook. But I don't you know cook all that fancy stuff. And we love, you know, super fancy recipes. And, you know, you do them, they take forever, and they, they turn out so great. But I think I'll, I'll, for a lot of people, that um, is maybe a little daunting, you know, and, and so, life is so hectic and busy and you got kids and family and ball games and all this kind of stuff going to. So this is like a perfect recipe. Yeah. For you know, that it's, kind of it's a wild game recipe. It takes 10 minutes um, or 15 or however you want to do it. And it's done. And it, it, it is a boatload of food. I mean, it, it is an so absolute a boatload of food. You, I mean, two, two people are eating on it for three or four days. And I'm like, Hey, you want fried rice? No, no, one person was eating on it for three or four days because you left me and went to Texas and hunted. Yeah. She ate all of it. <laughs> <laughs> But I made more when I got back. <laughs> and we just made it with chicken when I got back, just regular chicken. And it, once again, was just, it's a no-brainer. It's its definitely, a re, it's on the high high up on the repeat list. Nice. I like a yeah. good fried rice. Um, definitely. I was thinking about rice in general. You know, my favorite rice to do with uh, fried rice is like day-old Chinese food, like to oh, yeah. take out. It's like the yeah, best. I think, I think day-old rice, Genius. regardless, yeah. is like the best rice. And then you have... 
Well, once again, we're going into levels here. It's like ducks. And you have different <laughs> levels of the day old rice. Right? You have it, the sticky uh, rice, the shiny. Yeah. You have to absolutely. load your rice properly. In order That's to right. It Is it, are we going short grain rice or long grain rice or <laughs> medium <laughs> grain? We're just keep putting the corn in the chill for a day. <laughs> um, well, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing the recipes. And, and I hope. Uh, I think once that video comes out, we'll definitely we'll get it up on uh, on Harvest in Nature too, so we can make sure everybody's everybody's got transparency. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as always, just to throw this out there, so any of the recipes we talk about or mention or all that, we put the links in the show notes, so it's easy for anyone to go through as you're listening to this, and you're like, "Oh, that really piques my interest." You can go click it and continue listening, and then read the recipes. Um, be it Ryan and Emily's recipes or Harvest in Nature specific recipes or anybody who's on the podcast anytime. We show all the recipe love. But, or we um, just your recipes, like your black bear burger with the, the blueberry sauce. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's a hit. Well, thanks. So good. That was a hit. It's, uh, it's funny. I think it's, it's like an, I didn't realize how much of an iconic meal it became. Um, I know we had a couple people on here and they're like, yeah, that blackberry or the blueberry barbecue yes. black bear burger. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're like, it's just, they're like, it's phenomenal. And they're like, when I think of harvesting nature, that's the exact meal I think of. And I was like, well, that's cool. That was my first recipe I cooked from y'all. Oh, well, you're welcome. Uh, I'm glad it wasn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it wasn't terrible. <laughs> oh, it was. It was really yeah, good, super, and it was super simple too. Yeah. So I'm all about that easy, fast cooking. Yep. It's uh, I I'm definitely, and there's been an evolution over time of like recipes. So like I have a real gourmet side where I'll throw something together that's like super long steps and all that, and then you know on the other side of it too, it's like wild rice and duck and cream and cheese Boom. done comfort yeah. food <laughs> i think the uh the, the simplicity like the allure of the simplicity behind stuff is is that uh like hunting itself is kind of simple also i mean in a way i mean you have to like get the gear you gotta practice you gotta scout and everything but in a way it's still pretty simple because you're not going to the store and buying stuff in packaging and everything i think maybe it's just a different kind of simple but I think that's kind of what draws people to it also is that like simplicity of being able to cook something that's very easy, very basic and still tastes amazing. I spend, I spend a lot of time thinking about it. Like while I'm out, like kind of like to echo what Ryan said is just like, I think about, all right, well, what am I going to make with this? Like all the time, like, you know, from the beginning, it's like, well, if I get it, what am I going to do? And then after I, you know, shoot or catch or do whatever with it. I'm like, all right, I got this now. Now what am I going to do? Yeah. So. And Colin, what you were saying, you know, like people get a hold of us all the time and they're like, Hey, we have this, you know, just, you know, this bear or this turkey or this deer. And it's like, how do we cook it? And it's like, well, you just cook it like everything else, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I think the simplicity of the recipes that we try to put out like helps that. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like, Deer, treat it like beef. You know, you're going to make a beef recipe, just throw venison in. And, you know, yeah. my family was the same way, asking us, like, what do we do with this, you know, deer that you gave us? It was like, cook it like you just would anything else. It's not any different than beef, you know? It's I, I just think your legs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think because 
some people might be gifted wild game meat that like maybe they're gifted it or you know it's you come across it every once in a while uh, that it's a rarity and that it needs to be cooked in a special way because it's a rarity in some households and that's kind of why people think they, they need to cook it a special way but uh and you're i think you're exactly right it's there's no different than anything else maybe not cook it as much and dry it out you know if it's leaner but you know no, it's funny you say that about gifting. You know, we've given people uh, ground gator or ground venison or whatever, and they're like, all right, how do I cook it? I'm like, you throw it in a pan and brown it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yeah. you make a taco yeah. with it, man. Yeah. Like, you go crazy. I gave some to my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law last time they were down. I gave them some antelope and some venison, and I gave them like four or five packs of things and it took it back and I never heard the, how do we, how do we cook it? But then I heard the other day, my wife was Skyping and my, my father-in-law like sticks his head on the screen. He's like, Hey, Justin, I've been, I've been cooking that meat that, uh, you know, what, what, whatever it is, it's been good. I really <laughs> like it. <laughs> I was like, the sagey like, flavored Denise. one. It's real great. Yeah. He's like, Denise, what meat was that? She's like, I don't know, but it's good. And I was like, all right, guys, I'll hopefully get you some more soon. So it was really awesome. Some deer looking um, thing. <laughs> oh, I guess it's the perfect time to uh, to shout out to our new shirt. It's on the website, the Venison Diplomat shirt. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good shirt. I saw that. I like that. So we've been tossed around the term Venison Diplomacy a lot. And, it's, uh, and I think... I think you guys understand. I know Colin understands it, but just to spell yeah. it out. So like uh, food is a common language spoken by all. Like it doesn't know, it, it knows no boundaries. And I think as, as hunters and anglers, we look at sort of the responsibility of like introducing new hunters and keeping hunters and anglers in, into the sport that um, a lot of that is very naturally, uh, surrounded with food, just like we've hit on several times, uh, just in the last moments. But the, really that venison diplomacy and the concept of it is like, Hey, come to the table. Um, you know, I was explaining it to my wife as well. She's like, you know, you have diplomacy, which you think of like somebody at an embassy working, doing a job or whatever, but it's really like, here's sort of my thought and take on life and a lifestyle and, you know, hunting and fishing in particular, I guess we'll, we'll zoom in on that, but to just say like, this is what we represent. And then if you're able to introduce and bring people into the fold using food, then that's really venison diplomacy. And it's not specifically venison. It could be anything. It could be goose. It could be duck. It can be yep. f fish. Um, <laughs> it can't be duck. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and ducks are ruled out for the rest of this conversation. <laughs> Scratch the ducks. <laughs> um, but no, it, it, it really, uh, you know, it, it's more about introducing people to hunting and fishing. And I've had the conversation. It's like people have said at Thanksgiving table, and it's like, man, you know what? When I retire or when I move or when I do X, Y, and Z, like I'm getting into hunting because of the food. Because I like the way it tastes and I know I can't get that anywhere else. And the, the responsibility they feel, they're like, look, I can provide great food for my family, you know, it, all the things that come with it. So that is the exact idea behind Venison Diplomacy. And then the shirt itself says Venison Diplomat, which means you're representing that idea. And it's sort of a signal to people, too, to start the conversation of like, hey, like, you know, I'm a hunter, I'm an angler 
but I also like food a lot. So if you want to come yeah. eat at my house, we can plan your next hunting trip or your first hunting trip or, you know, whatever. So, um, it's all, uh, if you want to check out those shirts, they're for sure. We have them available on those, on the harvesting nature store. They look great. Well, thank you. It was a collective effort. I think, uh, Colin, Colin's idea, the, the blue and white one, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of sporty. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here at Harvest in Nature, we are known to cook a variety of wild fish and game in a variety of ways. Probably one of my favorite methods is to cook in a smoker. Traeger Grills has some of the best products out there. Their pellet grills aren't just grills. They're smokers and ovens too. Anything you can do in the oven in your house, you can do on the Traeger. You can make desserts. You can grill steaks. You can use cast iron pans and braise tough cuts. You can allow roasts and briskets to smoke all day until they're tender and delicious. You can even use it to make jerky. Their variety of pellets are also very impressive. The different flavors of wood allow you to pair with your meat or fish or vegetables and give it the most flavor that you can create. They even have varieties created specifically for your next wild fish or game meal. Um, well, I guess it's time to, to dig in, chat some, some about organ meats. Um, so as hunting season sort of like beginning to get into full swing and we've all touched on this of like what you're doing and what you're thinking about to do with, with your, your meat or your game. Um, a lot of people are skipping over some really valuable parts of the animal. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. I think in, in a lot of traditional cultures, traditional hunting cultures and indigenous cultures, you're looking at, you know, the heart, the liver, call fat, uh, the tongue, things like that. Those inner organs are being utilized much more and towards the first part of like the cycle of eating meat. And uh, there's some reasoning behind that of like things going bad first, but also the nutrients and stuff that are present. And if you think very back to sort of like the very primalness of hunting, and it's like if you're you and your group of friends or family members coming out from your village and you're hunting, it, you know, it's not necessarily saying you're going to go walk out the next hill over and, and harvest something. Uh, you may be traveling further away to get where game is migrated to. You may be, you know, chasing game and not successfully getting it. And there may be periods where you you and your family and your village are going through um, bouts of starvation at the, the worst part of it. But um, even just like a lack of quality food. So then once you're harvesting an animal, like biologically, how are we going to replenish our bodies? How are we going to put those vitamins and minerals back in? And it's been seen throughout history that those things, the heart, the liver, uh, you know, the different fats, the, uh, 
there's so many different organs that have been utilized over time to replenish that, to put vitamins and minerals back into the body. And that's why I think you see them. One of the first things, uh, taken and eaten. So my experience sort of looking in it is I've cooked all of them and I try to save all of them. It's not always an ideal situation where I can do it. Um, but as a kid, I hated liver. Um, and you think of like that textbook, like liver and onions recipe, where it's like bootstrap leather because it's probably overcooked. I'm sure someone soaked it in milk and then it's just thrown in there and stirred in the pan with uh, with um, some gravy and onions and whatnot. And that, that was probably one of my grandfather's like favorite meals, not necessarily mine. <laughs> so... Um, I can tell you we're not going to talk about that recipe tonight <laughs> outside of that. We've got some other, actually, we don't have any liver recipes on here. Well, that's going to have to change. Liver like pate, didn't you? Uh, we had a pate. We never put it out. I've talked about it before. Uh, um, Meat Eater has a really good, I think it's turkey. I want to say turkey liver pate. Uh, about a pate because I had liver because Ryan also hates liver. So I wanted to do something different and you had suggested a pate. Yeah. Pates are a great way because you're, you're essentially like cooking the liver already and then you're running it through like a processor and mixing it with a bunch of delicious things to kind of make like a spread. Um, you put on bread, you put on crackers. There was a lot of work. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Yes, it's liver, liver and onions for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got liver and onions. <laughs> so, um, well, I guess since we're on liver, we'll, we'll go with that first. So, some, I guess let's look at what's uh, what's sort of your guys' experience with liver, and it doesn't have to be specifically wild game. You can just kind of talk about anything like where does it fall? Have you had it? Do you enjoy I love it? it. I had, and this will kind of go. And I, I was, I got to go on a hunt a couple of years to go to um, to New Zealand, and we were up on the side of the mountain, and I forgot. I, I can't think of what animal that we had. There was four or five of us, and someone had, had harvested something. I don't. I think it was a fallow. I think, um, but the point is, we had a native New Zealander there, and it. We were. I, I said something about having to hike up this mountain because the mountains there are just you know, they're huge. It's the Alps, right? So they're, they're fairly steep and it goes, but it reminded me when you were talking a while ago about, you know, taking the, the organ meat and stuff. And I'm just talking to him and I was like, you know, how, how did you grow up, honey? we got, you know, going to this and he goes, well, my job as a kid was to cut out, um, the lungs, the heart, the liver, the tongue, everything. When my father would be like, they'd go out in like a, a tribal type of environment and go hunt. And that was his job as a kid, right? So his, his little, portion of the pie was to, was to harvest that. And I was like, well, how come? And he's like, I said, you know, is, is that something that you like? He goes, no, but you know, back then they were using such prim primitive weapons. That might be the only stag or fallow or whatever they got for months just because it was so hard of environment to hunt. So they, that's why they took absolutely everything. It was like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to take every bit. I mean, they're taking the fur, you know, just like trappers and everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So to them, that's why they're like, these are calories that's going to feed you know, our, our tribe, our village or whatever for the next, who knows, two weeks. So that's why we do it. And they've just, they said, you know, over time, they just learned how to cook it. 
at first back in the day, he's like, it was horrible. You know, we, I hated eating all this stuff, you know, it's like a half raw heart laying there. He said, but that was the only food that we had. So we, they've learned over time and he's a chef now. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So that, and that was kind of the transition. Um, I am not a, a big liver fan. I just never have been. Um, and it's something that I should probably need. I am going to spend more time on doing because I know there's a way that I'm, I enjoy it. I just haven't found it yet. And I know once I find it, I'm going to be like, everybody's eating liver, you know, because <laughs> I cooked, cooked it for you with love and you'll love it. Yep. Forever. <laughs> the secret ingredient. <laughs> yeah. That's a lie. Um, but yeah, so I, I have a very limited experience. I've tried it. Um, I don't say I hate it. It's just, it's not my go-to. Um, but I'd like I said, I just haven't found that one, that one recipe that, that just is over the top for me, but she loves it. Yeah. I like it. I think it's good. So what, what, why do you like it? What do you find appealing about it? Uh, I like it that I don't know that I mind the texture as much, but I just like kind of the dense flavor. I, I do like the gamey type flavors minus the ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Colin. But uh, no problem. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know if I just like because I like kidney too, and I so I like the kidney flavor and I like the liver flavor. And to me, they're kind of the same. Obviously, the kidney is a little bit more chewy than than um, the liver is. But I don't know. I've just always liked it. I don't. We didn't grow up super, you know, rich or poor. But you know, if you Grandma served liver. You ate liver. And so you just kind of learned to like it or you did without. Yep. That's fair. Um, I think as, as I've grown up, I, I've definitely grown to appreciate it. Um, so that's something that's changed for me over time. And, you know, naturally too, I think people, there's a, a common conception that, that your taste buds change over time. So I'll, I'll fall in line with that. Colin liver. Yay. Nay. Middle of the road. Uh, I can't. I can't say I've ever had liver. Actually, I um, I think I've had liver pate. We were talking about. I think my dad made it for Christmas one time, and I think the family is pretty much fifty-fifty split on whether they liked it or not. Have you uh, had? Uh, but that was years ago. Fall gras. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's like a yeah goose goose liver. Yeah, I mean, I definitely remember. You know, like picking it up in my hand a couple of weeks ago when we um, processed those geese and thinking like, oh yeah, this is like these are the organs, these are the liver and everything like that. It's kind of cool, but uh, yeah, I just I don't know, I don't know what to do with them. I don't, I've never really like explored into like the the liver realm, so I'm definitely be something I'd need to to look into and at All least right. experiment with. You know, I I, don't, I guess my mind isn't really made up about it because I don't have anything to base that off. Okay, that's that's a fair answer. Yeah. Um, so some some important points when you're out in the field and you're deciding to take your liver home. Uh, off, obviously, your first thing is what are you going to do with it? Um, and I say that not in the cooking sense, but in like the storage sense. Uh, so there's a lot of factors that come into play with it. You know, how far are you from? a place where you're going to be able to cool your meat, hang your meat, do whatever. Is it, uh, are you like a day away? Are you days away? Are you, you know, uh, an hour away? Uh, that's something to think about. I would say if you're like days away, 
and you're looking for like a camp meal at some point, the heart and liver are probably at the top of that list. But uh, if you're able to freeze it or get it cooled down pretty quickly, then I would say, you know, a Ziploc bag or uh, like a game bag or something and get it frozen or on ice uh, fairly quickly. So with livers, a liver is essentially a filter, right? So it filters blood, uh, filters impurities out of the blood. So um, the younger the animal, generally the better um, the liver quality is going to be. And I mean that, if you think about it, it makes sense. Um, yeah. Think about our livers right now. (laughs) I don't, my poor liver probably hates me. (laughs) When the zombie, when the zombie apocalypse comes, I will be the last liver. The zombies will want (laughs) jokes on you fellas. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, that's something to think about. So if you, if you're harvesting an older animal, the flavor may not be on par. So I'd say don't stray away from it. Just take it into consideration, especially if trying livers, something new to you. Um, another important thing to look at is be sure to inspect the liver. And that's like at the side of where you're, you're taking it. You don't want to like take the liver, get it home and be like, uh, I don't know about this. Cause that's just an extra mess you have to deal with. So think about inspecting the liver. So, uh, black spots or odd colorations, it should be kind of a general color all the way around. Um, it should be matching uniform. If you see odd abnormalities, it's good indication that that animal was probably not in the greatest of liver health and you probably therefore don't want to eat it. Um, just something to consider. Um, the other big thing is a lot of people will soak it in, uh, in milk or salt water. So if you're soaking in salt water, it's a brine. If you're putting in milk, it's, I guess it's a debate of it, whether it's a marinade or not. I guess since technically milk has acid in it, it would qualify as a marinade, but I'm not sure that you're soaking it for the same reason. Uh, a lot of milk just pull more of the blood out though. So yes, I'm glad you brought that up. That is, um, that is the common theory with it. Uh, mm-hmm. there's some scientific, backing to it but not a lot um flavor wise the thought process being that milk has calcium in it and Mm -hmm. calcium binds with iron and being that blood is heavy in iron and that's where it generally resides that it will uh pull that out of the liver and then um you're actually kind of basically diluting the the flavor of it with the milk so I, I don't know. Um, I've never done like a side-by-side comparison in it. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of conversations and, and read a lot of material that people are both on the fence like, yeah, it works. No, it doesn't work. Um, so there's that. I would say, I don't know. I'm generally against soaking things in milk, and it's a lot of it is because I myself – uh, one, we don't, we don't drink a lot of milk, so it's not something we have on hand. And then two, it's like, you, you got to get, not often is it going to be something you're going to pair with it. Like you think about mixing milk and red meat together, like in general, like if you just went to the store and you got a steak, um, I'm not sure that that's like a, a common thing I put in my mind. If I'm making like a cream based something, then yeah, maybe cause it would complement it. But like down the road, it affecting flavor. I don't know. It 
it's more the intention behind it. Yeah. When I first started hunting, that was like the thing that you did is you like would soak it, Mm -hmm. thaw it out, and then you would soak it in milk uh, before you do anything else. And then it kind of changed to you soak it in ice water or, you know, ice with salt in it and stuff, which we do more now than yeah, we, we brine more than anything that we do. Right. I mean, more yeah. than anything. I kind of got away from the milk, but there's occasionally like, you know, you think about dove hunting, you think about soaking the dove in buttermilk before you do dove poppers. That's how you make dove poppers. You soak them in buttermilk. I think and I see, you, I think I see a correlation milk. here. That's dove poppers and milk. That's why I didn't like poppers. There's milk upon it. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Secrets out. <laughs> um, no, just just some interesting, and I would I'd be curious if anybody has done a sort of side by side comparison, like and where it lies. So if if you're out there in listener land and and you do have experience in this, let us know because I'm I'm curious to know. Um, maybe it's something I'll mark down on my list to to try this year, and that way we can get a, a biased review. <laughs> <laughs> um. So looking at some cooking methods, obviously we talked about pate. It's a good one. Uh, liver and onions, one of those. Um, once you get the liver broken down and you, you clean out, clean it up and season it accordingly. I mean, it's, it can be treated like just pretty much like a regular cut of, of meat. Sorry. I saw some recipes that you could like cut burger with it too. like take some burger and mix it with liver. Mm. Cause when we were talking about the pate. I was like, what the heck do I do with this? I'll eat it. And it was like taking part of it and grinding it up with, you know, venison or something like that and making yeah. burgers. With it. Um, one thing that's really, uh, really common in Cajun uh, cooking, Cajun and Creole cooking, which is a lot of my like early background is, uh, is making like dirty rice. And mm-hmm. so that your, your meat component in that is actually like ground up liver that's mixed in with the rice and seasoned up really nice. So, um, there's that. And then my, my first restaurant I worked at, we made these little sandwiches. They were called dirty boys and they were essentially the meat from the dirty rice, uh, with like the, you know, all the seasoning and juices and stuff. And then we'd put them in like little pistolets, which are like, you know, small, um, chimichangas. <laughs> not too much like a mini burrito <laughs> no they're about the size of a like a wallet i guess you'd say and then you like butter and toast them and then put that that meat like in there no 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 like a like bigger than ravioli like a mini french bread oh okay yeah so There's it's like a, a scent samsonite <laughs> what, what's the thing they have it's in like hawaii it's like the dough it's kind of like a big dumpling but it's like a it has like a lot of the like kalua pork in it i forget what it's called i always forget the name I but I, I think it i think it's like a pastole type thing where it's just like dough with meat and whatever else inside kind of like an empanada but mm-hmm. there's like a hawaiian term for it too i forget what it is also look it up it's in my notes <laughs> um yeah i don't i don't know i haven't heard of that but that sounds good i i would think i would say like empanada would be something good to do with liver too if you yeah. made like a nice like seasoned ground meat mixture almost you could mix it in with meat too kind of like emily mentioned it would be good inside that with a nice sauce dipping sauce maybe egg rolls 
So yeah, so that's kind of where my head lies for for liver. Do you guys have any liver comments outside of what we talked about? No, just going to try some more of it. It's going to be kind of a goal this year, I think, just to kind of focus on that a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's get to the heart of the subject. Ooh, look what I did there. You nice. waited this entire Even- podcast for that. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. I was saving it. Like three weeks ago. <laughs> sorry, I can, have, I can let you have that one. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so um, the heart is very versatile organ. Uh, definitely at the top of the list. I think people call it like the hunter's meal for sure. Um I, same thing, try to save it all the time. My uh, deer and antelope heart uh, got left in my hotel room in Wyoming last year. And I called as we were like midway back and was like, hey, I left the heart in the freezer. And they're like, yeah, we found it. They're like, we'll give it. So it's a small town we hunt at. And the guy's land we were hunting at, it was his aunt that runs the motel in town. And she's like, yeah, I'll just give it to him. He'll probably do something with it. And I was like, good, because I don't want it to go to waste. So yeah, there is that. But um, the heart, you do have to show a little extra love, too. But before I go into that, um, do you guys have any experience eating heart or a favoritism towards it or against it? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, the first time I had it was in 2017 at um, Two Hats Ranch up in Michigan. And the chef up there had, I forget, it wasn't part of dinner. It was just like we were just sitting around as after dinner. It was like the, it was like the second dinner. Second dinner. Second you know, dinner. everybody, when you're talking about the diplomacy, we'd all sat around and ate and disgorged ourselves with food and told lies and all that stuff. And then <laughs> two hours later, we're still there. And he was like, you guys want some more food? And he just, just did a real quick, basically, a, you know, just, just a ring of heart. You know, he just sliced it in rings and fried it real quick and brought it out. And it was so phenomenal. Um, and I came home, the first thing I did was like, we're definitely starting to eat heart because that was legit. And we've, we've stuffed it with chorizo and made a... That's what it was. We were trying to think yeah. about earlier before this. We had stuffed something with chorizo yeah, and, it was and it was heart. Heart. And then I made a, just basically made a, uh, a bacon weave and rolled the whole thing in bacon weave and then threw it on the Rectech and did it so like that. Like you stuffed like the, the cavities of the heart, like the... Yeah. Heart up and got all the valves and stuff out of it and the heart strings and stuff. Basically, you know, you're just kind of left with the a bell pepper of a heart, you know, kind of, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> bell yeah. pepper heart. That's I did. a good way to describe it. <laughs> it was like stuff a bell pepper. I was just like, I'm going to stuff yeah. some trees. Oh, cool. um, it's, it's it actually, that description is more common than you think. I was just, uh, I was reading an article by Danielle Pruitt and she described it the same exact way. Cause she explained like cleaning the heart, but yep. like you take the top of it off, just like you would the top of the bell pepper. You take the white parts off of the bell pepper. You take the seeds out. Like, yep. I was like, "Huh, okay." To me, when I'm when I'm cleaning a heart, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Because you you, you, do, you cut the valves off, and then you get all the heart strings out and all the tendons and stuff. And then once you kind of, I always try to even out the walls of the heart too to make it more so if it's going to cook more uniform, um, especially if I'm stuffing it or something because I know it's going there's going to be some some heat variances in there. So once I get it kind of all uniform, to me, it's exactly what it looks like. Just a little little meaty bell pepper. Meaty bell pepper. Mm. Can't it makes sense in my head, and that's what's important. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yes, that's good. Um, 
So definitely, I see a favoritism towards it. Colin? Yeah, I think I had like the classic heart tacos a couple years ago, uh, mm. and they were delicious and they were phenomenal. But other than that, I haven't really experimented with heart that much. I was a little uh, ashamed of myself when we were cleaning these geese a few weekends ago, and uh, I mean, they have a pretty good sized heart in them, and ended up asking. Sean West from Get Out and Go Hunting a couple days later, like, oh, what do you recommend for getting the little fuzzy feathers off? And then he actually threw in on his own, oh, and also keep the hearts. And I was like, dang it, we didn't keep any of the hearts. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> next time, next time, uh, I'm definitely going to have to set those aside because I think they should make some good tacos as well. Yes. So I have I have a couple recipes, and I've actually I've had heart outside of like, um, like. Uh, wild game i was in chinatown in new york city once and we were like what's the most odd things we can order on the menu and that's that's a interesting question that you can ask (laughs) yeah well we ended up with we ended up with duck tongue which is a unique one yeah uh we ended up with duck tongues and uh duck hearts and they just like brought them out in a little plate and there's like a little pyramid of duck hearts and it was they were nice like poppers, but better. What was like, yeah, the fuzzy tongues like? So, all right, it's it's very odd. Uh, you don't really feel the fuzzy texture, and mind you, too, this was two thousand nine, maybe no, two thousand eight. Uh, an interesting time in life, but um, nonetheless, so they bring it out, and it's still attached to like the uh, the the cartilage or the the bottom of the beak so not like the whole beak <laughs> well the way you eat it is like it's got a it's got a hard part on it and you bite you kind of <laughs> like well, i it was literally there must have been like three dozen tongues on this little plate and it's like where do you get all these little geese tongues from or duck tongues obviously ducks but i just i never would have thought it but you uh you have to kind of like pull the meat off with your teeth it's like almost on a little bone like an I'm artichoke sure that, cart? Yes, exactly okay. like an artichoke cart. A meat but, artichoke cart. <laughs> but oh, do, they, do ducks have serrated tongues like geese do? I don't know. I don't I don't remember. They were like stewed. Um and like kind of a, a thick sauce in there oh, as well. Okay. So yeah. It was a while ago. So recollecting that. It's been a day or two. Yeah. <laughs> so I do. Depending on which duck it was, is going to be kind of how the tongue is because diving ducks and puddle ducks and stuff like that are, you know, they eat different things. Mm-hmm. We'll probably have a different yeah. type of tongue. That's a good point. I, I mean, it was probably just whatever farm raised ducks they use for the other recipes. Ryan just showed me a photo. I can't come back from that. Of a duck tongue? <laughs> Yes. A plate of them. Of plate. Of yeah. It's, it's a thing. I promise you. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's exactly what... Yeah. Right there. <laughs> For all you people in podcast land, you don't want to know. <laughs> Google it. Yeah, just, just Google it. Um, so we have some recipes. I have actually three recipes. Wild game recipes you can find over on the, the Harvesting Nature website. And... um. One is venison heart stew. Corey's not here to talk about it, but Corey wrote this one back 
January 2018. And um, basically, he's using a combination of ground venison and uh, deer hearts cut into cubes with some instant white rice and uh, some salt and pepper seasonings from tax calories and tomato soup and some stir fry veggies. So just kind of mix them all together and make like a little, uh, a little stew. That tactic calories. We actually use that for Thanksgiving last year for our Turkey. Yeah. Uh, Good stuff. We, uh, I've used several of it and we had, we had Casey on the podcast, uh, the, the CEO founder and CEO always sounds so fancy when you say that, but, um, (laughs) we had him like, I think the first, maybe half dozen episodes and we had a great conversation about food, but yeah, he's doing great stuff there. You know, they hand grind all those spices. Really? Yep. I had no idea. Yep. They mix them all themselves. That's impressive. I think, uh, Ever- so- I think Everglades does the same thing, don't they? I have no idea. They Ooh. just send different clubs though. Yeah, Everglades is our go-to. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're down the neck of the woods. Yep. They are. I've seen them in the store frequently. Actually, last time I was there, I, I thought about you guys. I was like, Hey, there's that Everglades seasoning. Yep. You need to get the original. Try it out. See what you think. I'll try. You know what? I may have to pick some up uh, to try with some alligator. It just seems fitting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got hand in hand. Sure. You literally have to because it's gator and Everglades. Everglades. Yeah. yeah. And they actually make a breading. So if you do fried alligator, they, the they, have, they have a breading. Legit. Okay. Yeah, we use it for our fish fries. Yep. I will check it out. So... To, to hit what Colin said, grilled venison heart tacos. Mm. So that one. Yeah, yeah just lots of seasoning and delicious stuff. This one, I don't even know. Oh, this is a very old recipe that we have on here. Um, I think like, we go through phases of wild game cooking, right? So my go-to right now is anything wild game and taco. That's like, my every day. That's, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm on that. I'm on that train right now. I uh, I think two out of my last like four recipes, uh, I did the shanks and I did uh, like the whole wild pork leg with the mop yeah. sauce, and they both ended up in tacos. Mm. So, I mean, was- tacos are great because you could have like four tacos and put four different seasonings and like four different vegetable combos in them so you can have like a taco flight with the same meat and you know change it up a little bit you're not yeah. eating like the same thing every time it may be a, maybe the next idea for my my next wild game dinner is to do like a, a taco taco flights of different wild yeah. games yeah what's good you could, little, you could use those little bitty taco shells too to make it more flighty yeah yeah, like a chimichanga. Like a chimichanga. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you always take the flights, and they're always like small, like the little small taco shells. Yeah, yeah. Little- the street <laughs> tacos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Street tacos are my jam. That's 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 my that's really my go to is a couple couple corn tortillas and Ooh, yeah. You throw some in there and just go. That's from your Cali days. Yeah, so that's Cali. that's the big question: flour or corn tortillas? Where do where do you lie? Corn. Corn. Mm. Just like legit, unless I'm doing like anything burrito ish. Obviously, you want flour, but um, I think I just think there's something to it. Um, just I wrap them all, you know, wrap them in a a, uh, a wet towel, throw them in the microwave if you want to do it fast, you know, and they just they steam up in like what 20 seconds, 10, you know, 10 seconds, and it's just straight out, 
dub, you always got to double them up because all the cool guys at the taco shops do it. Taco mm-hmm. trucks. Well, it's because they, they just keep falling apart. I yeah, get so, apart. so incredibly frustrated every single time my corn tortillas fall apart and then all the meat just falls out of the bottom. And, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, I just don't want Sometimes it's, it's, a necessi- it's, it's a necessity. To, it's an outside dish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Which is, I personally like the flour, but I understand the traditional, it's corn, but the flour, the flour never fails you. It doesn't fall apart like the corn does. I'll give you yeah. two. Yeah. I, uh, I make a really dessert taco and I, I have to use flour. Oh, dessert yeah. tacos. Yeah. It's a mango. Dude, it, no, no, not the mango. I do it with mango, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So like a uh, just diced mango or diced peach or whatever, uh, any other fruit besides mango? Yeah, dessert tacos, and you make them on the grill. We've got to give them the recipe now. You can't just start yeah. So yeah, we'll make them a dessert. Yeah, so just um, just I, it's real simple. So just butter and cinnamon. You just and sugar and mix that all up. Paint that on your flour tortilla. Get your grill nice and hot. Throw it on there. Caramelize it just for just a few seconds on each side. Fold it up. And this these are these are this you know desserts that you have to have things ready because it goes super fast. And literally, when I mean ready, I mean also a person standing there with their hand open to get ready to eat it. It's, it's <laughs> one of you caramelize that that flour tortilla with the with the sugar and the butter and stuff, and then you take your diced mangoes or diced peaches, and you want them almost frozen. You want you want a little stiffness there, but you know you, they need to be ice cold. You throw that in, take some fresh vanilla ice cream, throw that right over top, drizzle that with honey, and just hand it over. Holy and you got smokes! Yeah, and it's it's decadent. Wow. Very, but extremely decadent and it like cart like you know, Cinco de Mayo, the end of the day, you know, after a whole bunch of carne asada or whatever, it just, it's just the sealer. That's pretty awesome. We I'm, just did it not too long ago, didn't we? Mm-hmm. I'm sold. We had a game dinner night with some friends and I'm like, I'm bringing my dessert taco. That's so awesome. Very, I'm right now. Yeah, down we're going to have to share it and publish it sometime. That sounds <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it was a crab boil, and then Ryan did his dessert tacos at the end, and did everybody else's with mangoes, and had to do with my mine with peaches. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. There's always one in the group. There's always one. Um, what's well, good? I think we talked about hearts a lot, and then we started talking about tacos, and now I'm lost where we are at. Yeah, and Ryan's talking about mangoes. <laughs> I think we. Uh, <laughs> I think we have to talk about call fat next, right? Yeah, we'll hit call fat and and uh, and tongue really quickly. We've also talked about tongue, but not the tongues that we wanted to talk about. I guess I don't know. Um, Long tongue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so call fat. Uh, what is it? Where? Or I guess what is it and where is it? Uh, so it's like that almost sheet-like mixture of fats that that cover the inside of the body cavity of the animal and traditionally very valuable uh for its nutritionist va- nutritional value as well as its culinary value so uh it contains i think two types of fats i know one the the white part is a saturated fat so that's like your common so you could render it off if you wanted to use it in that way but the uh the like clear film like on it will actually cook down and is really good for holding things together. Uh, I know in British food, they make meatballs uh, with it a lot. And uh, we actually have a good, a good smoke burger recipe, right? Burger. Yep. Call fat. 
uh, wrapped venison burger. That's uh, Dan. Actually, Dan. Yep. Did a burger. I think that was a video as well. Um, yeah, there was a video of it. Which is pretty good. Dan did that. Dan does. He's a, a big, a big uh, organ meat consumer. So um, that one's good. So, but it, it holds the moisture in. It almost picture like edible saran wrap is the way I always think about it. Um, and then it adds some extra moisture to it. So I don't know what it, what is your guys' opinion on on call fat? Yeah, I I've personally never uh, used it. I've I've seen it and I've always thought about it, and I've just I need to put more thought into it. Um, but thinking back, and and probably in the last three months, I've thought about stuff just because we're making so many cooking videos and trying to come up with different recipes and stuff. I think it would be a great binder for like we were talking earlier, the chorizo stuffed heart. Um, one of the challenges of that is during the cooking process and then plus with the eating process is keeping that chorizo inside of mm-hmm. the heart. Um, and if you don't, if you don't want to overload, I think if you want to, to keep that, that organ taste and not overload it with bacon, let's, which is what I did. I just made a baking lattice and I wrapped the whole thing in it and it, it was very delicious. But I think now, the same thing could be accomplished using uh, that call fat and wrap it in there just to keep everything kind of together, but also to preserve a lot of that moisture. And you're not going to lose any of that flavor of the heart or anything like that else, you know, with that overpowering bacon on top of it. And I think that's that definitely something I'm, we're going to do. I think it's a cool tool, cool tool to use a lot. Like you mentioned the heart, um, but even just game meat in general, because it's so lean is it's, yep. it's a good way to add that fat back into it. Um, and it's a good cheap labor or uh, flavor source. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's got good flavor too. Um, can you grind it? Can you, no, is, is it too no, far? I think you just have to have a ton of it. Wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. I don't think you'd want to grind it. I think it would end up like just a kind of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Wrapped, wrapped up. I think wrapped up's the way to go. Corey used it. Uh, he did a smoked venison roast and he roasted the, uh, the ball roast. Uh, it, but he wrapped it in call fat before and um, seasoned it and then wrapped it. So it holds in that seasoning too. Cause you think about that sometimes too, like a lot of the seasoning comes off in the cooking process. Yeah, not all of it's absorbed. So just like what you're saying, Ryan, it just kind of holds it in. I think it's due for some experimenting this year Absolutely. for me. Yeah. Um, but we obviously answered why save it, but uh, how to save it is a, another important question. So you want to make sure that you clean it really well. Uh, clean it as well as you can in the field. If you've got any other like weird bodily fluids that get onto it, I would try to wash those off immediately. Also, it doesn't store super long over time. Uh, so you want to use it, I wouldn't say immediately, but with it, put it at the, towards the top of your list to use. And um this one you're going to want like a Ziploc bag or something to throw it in because you don't want to get dirty. You don't want other things getting introduced into it. And it can tear. It's kind of sort of fragile, so that Ziploc bag helps. And then uh, before you're ready to use it, I would wash it again, make sure it's super clean, go over it really well. And then uh, outside of that, you can cut it like a pair of scissors when you're ready to use it. So, um, yeah. That's yeah, definitely going to be utilizing that. Uh, this season. Yeah. I was trying to think, I think too, depending on, on what, what time of year and what animal you're harvesting from, like what their diet is, you're going to have more, more or less 
like of that white saturated kind of like the veiny fat in it. So I guess I think that- too, in um, you know nursing stages, you know a lot of times we we hunt so many wild hogs, and you you know you get a hog down that's you say it's a it's just a barren sow or something, and it's almost no fat at all. It's like mm-hmm. skin muscle, and then you'll get um, one that has either either pregnant or has just given birth, and there's maybe th- you know three inch fat layer, and the call fat that those have in them is just incredible. I mean, it's just I mean you can't it's it's so uh, inf- I guess inflated or not inflated, but just, you know, it's just the fat content is so much greater. Yeah, because right? they're they're putting on food and in, in preparation. Yeah, for... I think that's a, a big storage point for it, um, right around those organs to protect the organs and you know, or the stomach and the intestines. I think that's, you know, one of the purposes of that is kind of a, a shock absorbing system too. So I've noticed that the call fat on those when they're just post birth or if they're pregnant, it's just it's huge. That would probably be a that, that you could probably take that a long way. Yeah, be a lot of extra added value out of it. Yep. So let's move on to uh, to the tongue. So talk a little bit about the tongue. And uh, so, do you guys have much much experience with with harvesting tongues or or eating them? We actually had a really in depth conversation. We went um, gator hunting in Florida back in the. Uh, I'm no. not going to. I'm going to tell you when. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> back when, and had the whole conversation because their tongues and the the alligator are so big and decided against it because of what they eat and how the tongue looks. Hmm. It was not, I'm sure. Sh- a lot going on. There was, yeah, there's there a, a lot, lot going on <laughs> and we researched it some and there's lots of people that eat it, but it was talking about cleaning it and, you know, we're from Oklahoma. And so we were driving back and it was just like, yeah, I'm not that dedicated to taking this alligator tongue because, uh, hmm. yeah. And the stuff that I had read, um, apparently it is delicious, but the stuff that I had read, all and I couldn't find anything on a wild gator. All the tongue recipes or anything that I found were from farmed alligators. Um, so their diet was very, you know, very regulated and, you know, kind of all what you eat when it gets to, to that point. They, you know, they were feeding them very specific things and not decomposing animals and and things like that and just the the bacteria and stuff in their mouths is so prevalent um Ooh. i was like, yeah i mean because there's i read one thing you know it's, it's sometimes it's not the it's not the gator bite that gets you it's the infection afterwards <laughs> um I'm automatically going like komodo dragon in my head like that's oh, what God. i'm thinking yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was thinking that too yeah maybe so, i'll I, maybe i'll stay away from the alligator tongues but yeah. i've heard it's delicious at the same time so we'll and they're huge. I mean, this thing was the size of your thigh, you know? So you're like, there's a lot of meat right there hmm. that could be utilized. So I don't know. Cause I, I bet once you get the outer layer off, like if you cleaned it really well and then I'm trying to think what would be a good way that I would feel comfortable making sure I got, well, if you bring it up to temp, you should technically kill the bacteria, but it's the thought. Sometimes yeah. it's just the thought behind it, it. I was looking at it and it was like, we've got this drive. Mm, I don't know how dedicated I am to it. Like we've taken literally every other piece of this alligator home with us. The skull, the scoots, the hide, the cheek meat, the tail, the rib meat, the leg meat. Shoulders. The shoulders. Everything. I think we can leave the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see in my plans how this works out. I may or may not try it. I'll I'll let you you guys know. (laughs) It's on you. We were out. This... This is your responsibility. 
Um, What's he calling? Much experience? Uh, just like your normal Languas burritos and stuff. I think they're delicious. Uh, they're, it's a super tender meat, so I'm excited to hopefully a deer this weekend and then an elk at the end of October and uh, use their tongues. But uh, I think once you get past the thought of what you're eating, you don't mind an animal tasting you back. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I think it's a delicious piece of meat. You hear that, can you? <laughs> yes. Nice. I like all the, the puns. It's good. Um, I will say, though, uh, as far as cooking it, so there's a, there's a lot of various ways of cooking it, and I think most commonly – there's some debate around the steps as far as cleaning and prepping for cooking and even uh, cooking beyond like either steaming or braising or grilling or doing whatever you're doing is you have to remove that sort of outer layer of uh, skin and some people peel it. Some people uh, cut it off with a paring knife. Like there's, there's various ways. So it's just kind of whatever you're feeling comfortable with. But then inside that, even if the meat's prepared all the way, uh, or cooked all the way, then then you're kind of you can do whatever with it. Uh, for instance, field staff writer uh, Dan Rinna, who's been on the podcast, we've actually we had a great conversation um, about tongues, and we found out that that Dan has a a stash of deer tongues in his freezer that he adds to, and then once right. he gets once he gets enough of them, he uh, he, he prepares them. But yeah, he's got a, a running stash of deer tongues but um this plethora of tongues what did he make he made deer tongue sushi oh that that recipe yeah Yeah, so that was him that was dan yeah it's uh that is interesting it's it's very creative yeah i think uh by the box it's almost like um spam masubi (laughs) is what it makes me think about (laughs) like it would be the same way um, you talking about sitting around a, a table and striking up some conversations. Let's break out some deer tongue sushi. <laughs> deer tongues. How do you think that'd go over in Oklahoma? Mm, how much alcohol is involved? Yeah, mixed, <laughs> mixed crowd. Yeah, I mean, it, it would go. It would go. Yeah, we'll pull it off. I think some people would try it for sure. Um, I, I'm like Colin. I uh, as far as tongues and stuff like tacos, I love lingua lingua tacos and burritos. So. Um, big fan of tongues we'll see if there's an alligator tongue in the future i don't know maybe i'd i'd, I'd be interested to see kind of like we were talking about with liver alternate uses because i feel like you know liver and onions gets overused um the dove jalapeno poppers is very classic and it's kind of overused but i wonder if there's a if we can find another good recipe for tongues because it tongue. seems like that's that's Egg pretty roll. much the Egg rolls. <laughs> Egg rolls. <laughs> oh, that's chimichangas. There yeah. we go. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Easy solution. No, I'm excited. Yeah, I think it would be cool. So I think we all have lots of homework for this hunting season for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we've hit, we've hit all the organ meats awfully hard. Ooh, throw that one in there. <laughs> that one didn't get a laugh. All right. <laughs> can, you, uh, can you just describe what awful is real quick? Wow. Just so people to walk. Uh, like what the definition of awful is? Yeah. Sure. It's uh, 
the entrails or internal organs of an animal used as food. Like textbook. Okay, there we go. <laughs> yep. All right. So the innards, um, in another word, and it's spelled O-F-F-A-L, awful. So. And ironically sounds the same as the other awful A-W-F-U-L. Yeah, it could be partially my misconstrued accent, but yes. All right. Your Midwestern slash Eastern slash everywhere. <laughs> all, all, all the accents. Yeah, I heard you say aunt earlier. I was like, aunt, no, aunt. <laughs> I know that my wife got me on that one. Aunt, she's like, aunt. That's a book. I was like, that's a book. <laughs> um, cool. So. So kind of our last our last move throughout this. Do you guys have any any last uh we always do like a misfire alibis or last notes. So um if uh we'll go with Colin first. Colin, you got any any last thoughts? No, I don't think so. I think we answered all the questions that I had. Um oh I do have one that's kind of an outlier. Uh going on the same theme as ranking. This one's more for you, Justin. How would you rank bird hearts versus mammal hearts versus fish hearts? Oh. Um, <laughs> or I maybe never, not rank them, but describe differences, major differences. Um, I've never had fish hearts, I don't think. Um, mammal hearts, I mean, you're going to have the same consistency of meat, I think, across most mammals just because it's kind of the, the makeup of it. And the hearts can be tough just because it's a, a muscle that's constantly in use, but be it also that it is a muscle. I'm, now I'm curious about fish hearts, though. Um, I think with with bird hearts and stuff like that, you have to be a little more careful when you're cleaning, uh, cause obviously they're smaller. Um, uh, but also to eating some of those bits. If you think about like eating sardines, like you don't fillet a sardine. Um, okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking to see who eats fish hearts or if it's a, I think I broke Google. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said they really enjoyed fish hearts. I can't remember who it was, but it definitely stuck out to me that fish hearts was a was a thing that they would seek seek out. I don't know. Do, uh, I'll I'll kick that one over to uh, to Emily and Ryan as well to see. I've never thought about it. I can't think. Yeah, and Ryan lived in Japan for a while. So yeah, I don't I don't remember now. Could have I just don't remember eating. They're like here. This is for you. Here's your yakisoba. Why is it weird? <laughs> I mean, I, I can guarantee I've never eaten a fish heart. I just figured. Uh, it was me. Uh, I broke yeah. the computer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nobody eats it. Stop. Stop searching. I'm sure somebody does. It's got to be. Here, nope. Heart palm fish sticks. No. No, I don't know. Colin just broke the internet. Anyway, so uh, ranking hearts, though, I'm not real sure as far as fish hearts. That's kind of an outlier to me. I don't think I've ever eaten them. I'm sure somebody's got to eat them. 
maybe they don't. Maybe there's a reason why they don't. But uh, death. Yeah, I, I think generally though, like I said, looking at mammal hearts and bird hearts, you're probably gonna see a similarity. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Anyway, uh, Ryan, Emily, uh, any misfires, alibis, last thoughts for the. The- um, I'm stuck on fish hearts now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that we appreciate you having us on. There's a, I think you're, we're going to have a lot, uh, a lot more videos uh, coming up, especially when season starts tomorrow. Um, our, yeah, our deer season, antelope, elk. I mean, all our big game turkey season archery starts tomorrow. Of which oh, nice. I didn't get drawn for antelope or elk, so I'm upset. We didn't get drawn for nothing this year. Nowhere. Not in Oklahoma, not in any other state. Not in Colorado, not New Mexico. Not, I, yeah, all the states hate us this year, so that's yeah. okay. I think the numbers, I mean, we've talked about it a bunch, so the numbers are up. There's more applicants. I think yeah. everybody had the spring free to apply. So We did just book a bear hunt for a crazy good prize because – they're hurting and the exchange rate was really great in Canada right now. So, yeah. So we went bear hunting a couple of years ago and we're actually going back, um, in June, they gave us a smoking deal. Cause unfortunately for Canada, their exchange rate is really low cause they closed the border mm-hmm. due to COVID. And so they gave us a smoking deal and we're taking a couple of people from two hats ranch and two hats ranch in Michigan that we're good friends with. And then one of our buddies that, uh, Ryan's known from the, United States Shooting Academy. That's um, be his first big game hunt. Yeah, it'll be his first big game hunt. Works with us at uh, Outdoor Solutions at our long range schools, and then uh, one other dude is going to go up there. So it's going to be six of us, mm-hmm. five dudes and me. It's going to be super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> <You> sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so basically, lot, lots of new videos are coming out. Lots of new cooking stuff, just based on you know this conversation and, and others. Um, that we've had, but um, yeah, we're we're excited because um, this is probably the now uh, third third full season of being crazy interested in in you know harvesting um, you know our own food and stuff like that. So together, yeah, yeah, together. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but we're taking some veterans on some hunts here coming up pretty quick. So um, be teaching them how to kind of do what it, and now it's kind of fun because we're getting to relay that information to other people. And so it's, mm-hmm. there's validation there, which, which is always fun. Yeah. We have some great people in Texas that help us with the veteran stuff. And so it'd be good. Awesome. Well, nice. we're, uh, we're definitely excited that we had you guys on tonight. It was a good conversation. And, uh, I, I think hopefully we'll get you guys back on another episode here pretty soon, uh, in the future. And we can touch base and see, we'll, we'll all turn in our homework and see where we are on, Organ meat. So out there, I just want to thank everybody for listening and uh, tuning into the episodes. As always, show notes are available online and uh, head over to social media. Be sure to check out the way we hunt. Also harvesting nature. If you're not already following us, that way you're staying up to date on everything that they're doing, everything we're doing and all the things we're doing together. Um, also, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, be sure to go punch that five-star button, leave a review, tell us what we're doing wrong, or tell us what we're doing right. 